Sefer Bereshit, Parshat Vayeshev, on the evils of incarceration. In Parshat Vayeshev, which encompasses Genesis 37 through 40, we see Yaakov's son Yosef take center stage. We learn that Yosef is the favorite son of Yaakov, who consequently gives him the coat of many colors. This incites jealousy in Joseph's brothers, who wind up selling Joseph to a caravan of Ishmaelites, who in turn sell him to Potiphar, Pharaoh's chief steward. Joseph is then taken to Egypt and made a servant in Potiphar's house. There, Potiphar's wife tries to lay with Joseph, but he refuses to comply. So she slanders Yosef, accusing him of trying to lie with her. In response, Potiphar wrongly imprisons him. Let's hear how the Torah says it. Vayikach Adonai Yosef Oto Vitnehu El Beit HaSohar Makom Asher Asirei HaMelech Asurim Vihisham Beit HaSohar. Joseph Master had him put in prison where the king's prisoners were confined. But even while he was there in prison, the Lord was with Yosef. He extended kindness to him and disposed the chief jailer favorably toward him. This is another example in the Torah of God providing a smattering of justice where human nature fails. But today, living with a system of mass incarceration, that is often ineffective and unnecessarily cruel. We are tasked with following the example of justice set by God. God makes imprisonment more bearable. In our Parsha, we can see that Yosef is not someone who should have been criminalized at all. He is put in prison unjustly. Based on statistics on DNA exonerations, Mother Jones estimates that at least 1% of the U.S. prisoners are convicted wrongfully. With 2.1 million people in the U.S. prisons and jails, that would mean about 21,000 were convicted falsely. According to the Prison Policy Initiative, 74% of people in U.S. jails, which are distinguished from prisons, are not convicted of a crime. This comprises nearly half a million incarcerated individuals. According to the same report, more than 44% of federal incarcerations are for non-violent drug offenses. We get our Parsha's name, Vayeshev, and he settled from Jacob and his family's return to the land of Canaan. But Joseph is of course imprisoned in Egypt where he is a trafficked stranger in a strange land. His story can help us empathize with the 39,000 individuals in ICE detention. And of the millions of people who are locked up in this country, all are created, of course, B'Tselem Elohim, in the image of God. Beyond the cruelty involved in imprisoning people, the mistreatment people often experience while in prison works neither to make society safer nor to rehabilitate or to show dignity to the imprisoned. And if the purpose of imprisonment is public safety and getting the guilty to turn from their mistakes, 
The system is failing with 83% of state prisoners being arrested again within nine years of their release. That was 83%. When we examine Jewish approaches to the problem of incarceration, it is noteworthy that Joseph's punishment takes place in Egypt under Pharaoh's rule. The Torah itself has no model of a prison for punitive justice. There are all types of punishments, but never prison. What we find rather than an incarceration system is that the Jewish tradition be used to help us develop a model for restorative justice, which is a concept that emphasizes the personal impact of crime rather than the need for an often arbitrary punishment. According to the Center for Justice and Reconciliation, quote, restorative justice views crime as more than breaking the law. It also causes harm to people, relationships, and to the community at large. So a just response must address those harms as well as the wrongdoing. If the parties are willing, the best way to do this is to help them meet together to discuss those harms and how to bring about resolution. Sometimes those meetings lead to transformational changes in their lives, end quote. Friends, in our contemporary legal system, crimes against individuals, are viewed as crimes against the state. The state is the one who takes responsibility for prosecuting the accused and seeking justice. In Judaism, by contrast, we see a distinction between wrongs against God and wrongs against our fellow humans. The Rambam writes in his Mishnah Torah, quote, neither repentance nor Yom Kippur atone for any except for wrongs committed between humans and God. For instance, one who ate forbidden fruit or had forbidden relations and the like. But wrongs between people, for instance, one injures one's neighbor or curses one's neighbor or plunders them or offends them in like matters is ever not absolved unless they make restitution of what they owe and beg the forgiveness of their neighbor. And although they make restitution of the monetary debt, they are obliged to pacify them and to beg their forgiveness. Even if they only offended their neighbor in words, they're obliged to appease them and implore them till they be forgiven by them. If one's neighbor refuses a committee of three friends to forgive them, they should bring to implore and beg of them. If they still refuse, they should bring a second and even a third committee. And if they remain obstinate, they will leave them to themselves and pass on, for the wrong then rests upon them who refuses forgiveness. But if it happened to be their master, they should go and come to them for forgiveness even a thousand times till they do forgive them." End quote. In short, just as outlined by restorative justice, the tradition says that offenses between individuals are often best solved with the input of the victim and the cooperation of the perpetrator. So friends, what do we do about this? To start, for many crimes, 
such as nonviolent drug offenses. We should consider engaging more alternatives to incarceration, such as counseling and rehabilitation programs. We also need more investment in education and healthcare, in particular mental health, while people are incarcerated. There should additionally be more investment in prisoner re-entry to society. The very high rates of recidivism are connected to a failure of re-entry. If you can't get a job, the system broke your connection to your family, and you can't find housing because you have a felony on your record. It makes it very hard to re-enter success successfully into society. Our main character in this Parsha is best known as a dreamer and as an interpreter of dreams. And Joseph's main interaction with his two inmates in the dungeon, a cupbearer and a baker, is his prophetic analysis of their dreams. After hearing the cupbearer's dream, Joseph tells him that in three days, Pharaoh will pardon him. After sharing the good news, Yosef says to him, but think of me when all is well with you again. And do me the kindness of mentioning me to Paro so as to free me from this place. For in truth, I was kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, nor have I done anything here that they should have put me in the dungeon. Joseph then interprets the baker's dream and the verdict is much worse. In three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale you upon a pole and the birds will pick off your flesh. Both of Joseph's predictions, of course, turn out to be true. The cupbearer is let go and the baker is impaled. As for Joseph, who had asked for the cupbearer to vouch for him and his innocence, the Parsha ends, yet the chief cupbearer did not think of Joseph. He forgot him. Friends, we are taught from this episode about the risks of arbitrary justice. But as Jewish advocates, we cannot allow for arbitrariness in a justice system that has so much at stake for the lives of others. In Joseph's memory and merit, we must rethink our criminal justice system in America today. Thank you. Shabbat Shalom.